HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin, and this is Greenhorn Radio. We are so excited to be once again uh, Thursday afternoon. Time for um, another report from the front. Uh, this time from the the front of our great ship um, as a as a nation, bowsprit of that ship, um, Washington D.C. And I'm here joined by my colleague in arms, Ben Shute. And we are um, giving you a report from the Drake Forum for Beginning Farmers. Um, it is called America's New Farmers, Policy Innovations and Opportunities. And it's a two-day-long, very intensive uh, forum with, I don't know, like 60 speakers um, intended to inform policymakers about the needs, challenges, and opportunities um, available for beginning farmers in this country. So, Ben, would you mind introducing yourself? I am Ben Shute, and I run Hardy Roots Community Farm in Tivoli, New York, in the Hudson River Valley. And I have been working together with Severin and with Lindsay Lesher Shute to found a National Young Farmers Coalition uh, to bring together young farmers around policy reform and networking and building uh, structures together across this great nation. So Ben has been feeding a lot of people for the last seven, seven years, um, increasing numbers of people and now has engaged um, with me also in thinking how we can, how can we can work really as young farmers, for young farmers, um, to create practical, uh, political, and social structures um, that will support our work. And, and, and those are the three areas in which we're committed to working. So we're thrilled because it's kind of the debut of our, um, of our organization. Um, our organization, which we formed and registered with the state only a two month ago, ago. <laughs> I mean, two weeks ago, and um, and it is you can very easily become a part of this new organization if you are in fact a young mem- a young farmer, um, or just want to be a young member of our organization. It's called YoungFarmers.org. Um, there's a sign up sheet on the on the page. Our, um, our logo is up there. It's designed by Amy Franceschini, who you many know, many many of you know from the um, Future Farmers uh, Arts Collaborative Project in San Francisco. Um, ben, would you mind giving a little report about who's here at the conference and and what they're bringing to the table? So today uh, we arrived here in D.C. at this conference, um, and things started off bright and early this morning with some speeches by the U.S. Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack, and um, 
he had some not particularly controversial words to share with us. Um, but the people who are here overall are, um, you know, some policymakers and academics and young farmers. We were actually expecting the young farmer component of things here to be maybe maybe a little up under. And we've been, I'd say, a lot of young pieces here. And uh, so uh, we've seen a lot of, of young farmers here, which we're, we're pleasantly surprised by, but also lots of policymakers and academic folks, USDA folks. And um, there's been some good, some good panels and, and Q&A. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, brainstorming or workshopping or um, kind of efforts to have more like open space or development from the crowd of new policy ideas and things like that. Um, haven't, haven't seen that so far. It's been, been more of that kind of traditional presentation panel uh, format. And uh, so we'll see where that goes. Well, and the fact that we have the expectation um, that there'll be more engagement and more participant-generated ideas is, in fact, <laughs> very indicative of our attitude as a generation. You know, we're here to get stuff done. We're here to vote with our lives. We're ready to spend, you know, the next 20, 30, 40 years of our lives um, building businesses, rebuilding communities, uh, restoring local economies, and, and it's very serious for us. So um, we're not quite necessarily as... Uh, trained uh, into the idea where you just kind of bring your idea to the king and, with a nice red cushion and, and hope that um, it's accepted. So, so I think that it's actually very telling that we have an expectation that new ways of business and, and new, kinds of, uh, new kinds of institutions will begin forming and new kinds of programming that are going to help young farmers will be emergent in this, in this situation. And, you know, it's interesting, the two most uh, traditionally, I guess, powerful people that we had uh, participate so far in this conference were uh, Secretary of Agriculture, Bill Sachs, and then Senator Tom Harkin, uh, who's a pretty, you know, a long-time old-school um, uh, big, big wig in, in Washington and, and greatly involved in agriculture and, and essentially, like, had a big hand in shaping multiple farm bills. Um, he presented to the, the group. And it was interesting to me to hear from uh, both of those guys, um, n n no revolutionary ideas for sure. It's interesting to me that they both unprompted mentioned community-supported agriculture, um, since I'm a CSA farmer and I'm not used to hearing that in the mainstream. Um, but again, I think there was nothing super revolutionary, and I heard them both, I believe, use the word niche. And uh, I always cringe a little bit at that because, uh, you know, you can't really niche your way out of a crisis can't really niche your way to a revolution in ag policy and, and farm policy. So, um, you know, it's interesting to hear those baby steps, but again, we're, we're not hearing anything uh, or anyone really inviting uh, <laughs> great strides in this arena. At, this, at the same time, at the same time, um, both uh, Vilsack and Harkin said, listen, I'm open. I want to hear new ideas. We recognize there are new players. We're seeing an increase in the new small farmers. Uh, in the young farmers, in the diversity of farmers, women farmers. Uh, interestingly, there's an 88% increase in the last census of indigenous farmers. Um, you know, they're seeing, they're seeing the numbers uh, change. Uh, it's not just white guys age 60 raising soybeans necessarily anymore, even if pretty much 60% of the people we've been talking uh, or, or hearing from today have been from Iowa and, and have been indeed uh, white men over... 50, um, they are expressing a willingness to listen 
um, and, a, and an understanding uh, implicit in their comments that what has been the federal policy and what has been our farm policy has, um, hasn't been working. Wilsex said, what we've been trying hasn't been, hasn't been working. What we've been doing hasn't been enough. Um, and not just for the last, he said, not just for the last few years, but for the last few decades. So that's an acknowledgement um, of a structural crisis that we've been, as young farmers and um, new players in this field, really keenly aware of. But to see that in Washington, the head of the USDA carries that awareness, that's very encouraging to me. And it's, uh, also I've heard a couple of times today, uh, as people have kind of described the opportunities within the USDA for making some changes, um, you know, of course, they have billions and billions and billions of dollars that, that they use and then already influence um, the future of agriculture with and the present of agriculture with. Um, but even the most optimistic uh, people who've talked today about efforts to change the USDA have referred to, to the speed of those efforts as glacial. And, um, you know, it's, it, from the National Young Farmers Coalition perspective, the project we're working on, uh, it kind of points, points out to us the necessity of working on multiple fronts. Um, and so in terms of, like, policy development, um, of course, the, you know, it, it, maybe these changes will happen at a somewhat glacial pace, but the USDA is this mammoth organization with so many resources that, you know, changing it at a glacial pace makes huge impacts um, in, the, in the long term or sometimes even in the short term. And then, of course, we also want to be focusing on, you know, very much local or state policy where things can sometimes happen a little quicker and a little more um, uh, radically. And, um, but at the same time, we, we need to be looking at other ways that our coalition and, and our movement can create change without having to rely on mammoth institutions like the USDA and, um, you know, things that we can do as a network and, and do um, kind of horizontally among ourselves and at the grassroots level to further our movement. And it was, you know, one thing I've been thinking a lot about is how the sustainable ag movement and young farmers movement has really made a lot of progress in kind of creating its own training networks um, through apprenticeships and skill shares and, and all those kinds of things, incubator farms, um, and in a large part has made great strides on its own in, in doing those things. And uh, I was interested to hear this morning from, from a young farmer, Zoe Bradbury from Oregon, uh, who's been a, a you know, really great kind of young leader in, in the young farming movement, um, some of her perspectives on the apprenticeship system. Um, and actually, she and I both had, have worked at the same farm in Oregon where we, we uh, did apprenticeships. And, um, and uh, her, her criticism was, was that apprenticeships in, in a lot of farms are essentially carried out illegally because people are being paid below minimum wage. And some states, including Oregon, have cracked down on those arrangements and now apprenticeship programs that were once kind of a very reliable go-to place for young farmers to learn have been shuttered because of some of those concerns about legality. And there's always particular concerns about kind of fairness to young farmers who want to get started and who need maybe some money together to take the next step and start their own operation. And she had some, some great thoughts about uh, kind of shifting from an apprenticeship program to a journey person program where things were taken a little more seriously, um, funded a little bit better, maybe young farmers were committing to longer stints at their, um, at their host farms uh, to be able to provide them with more of themselves in, in return for getting more from the host farmers. So I think that's something we need to think about as a movement as we go forward um, and reform our own you know, grassroots practices. 
Yeah, and, and walking around the hallways and kind of bumping into people here, I've just been struck once again by how powerful our network, our, our kind of young farmer, young activist um, network is in this country and just so many familiar faces that I'm seeing and um, sharing smiles with. Um, you know, we have confidence in ourselves and we have confidence in our in our teammates, I think, much more than the confidence I feel um, in my kind of encounter with power and the powers that be, um, what I'm really struck with is my confidence in in these people that I know who are doing uh, tangible things in the real world um, and, and building relationships and building their businesses. Um, and it's that it's that wisdom in the group um, that we that we just have to figure out how to make sure that that wisdom and that collaborative understanding of where, where we kind of collectively need to go um, gets turned into the, the structures and the, the pillars of policy. And I think that there is a willingness of the people here who are coming from a policy background, chiefly among whom, in, in, my, in my confidence, is, um, is Amy Whitteman from the um, Sustainable Ag Coalition. You know, she's the kind of person who is from our generation, um, understands where farmers are at, and has a policy background to be able to translate our asks into um, into ask for reform in the in the next Farm Bill 2012. Wow. Here we come. So, what else do you want to talk about? We got some time. Um, another thing I just wanted to talk about is the um, upcoming things that should be on your calendar as um, Greenhorns teammates and as young farmer coalition mates, um, first of all, please do join the map. Um, it's, really, it's really compelling tomorrow when I make my presentation um, to this audience uh, talking about the new, um, new networks and, tri and the tribes, networks, and uh, coalitions um, panel to be able to show all those dots and demonstrate um, the growing numbers of young farmers is incredibly powerful um, visual representation that it makes when you when you sign up on the map. Um, the other thing is that we're interested to hear your thoughts and comments about how um, on a practical, political, and social level we can enhance the opportunities and, and enhance the peer-to-peer -peer learning opportunities um, available to new and beginning farmers across the country. How, how would that look in your community and what um, resources or institutions exist already that would hold and host those um, those kinds of programs. What are your ideas, and 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 what what can you do to to make sure that that um, educational enhancement and uh, team team building happens? And uh, to kind of give you a little more sense of of this project, this National Young Farmers Coalition project um, that we've been trying to get off the ground, it, you know, it really had been on a lot of people's minds, I think, um, in this community for a while, the fact that if, if, if we as a young farmers movement could get a little more organized and um, a little better network overall, then we could have a bigger effect in, in making things better for ourselves and for others who want to be doing what we're doing and, and getting into farming. Um, and there were a lot of conversations that had one in particular at the Young Farmers Conference at the Stone Barn Center back in December. Um, that really uh, kind of brought together and solidified some of those ideas and thoughts that people have been having and 
led to the um, official creation of a, a National Young Farmers Coalition. But at this point, really, it's it's been a few of us trying to kind of do the groundwork to just get a kernel of a structure together, an official legal structure, an organization, um, and, a, and a kind of a platform and, and a, uh, a website and a, and a way for us to begin to gather, um, just kind of a tool for us to gather around and a platform for us to... So, as, as young farmers, we really have the, the responsibility to recognize our own power, and, and many of us have, in choosing to become young farmers, done exactly that, and we have, I think, to continue... Um, to courageously muscle up um, our voice and and say we as citizens, as eaters, and as producers of the food that our nation needs to eat, we are ready to we are ready to work on our own behalf, and we are re- really ready and willing to work on behalf of those who will follow us. And and there's something incredibly compelling. Um, in this political moment, I think especially about a sh- uh, kind of what they say shovel ready um, um, proposition. So, you know, not only are we shovel ready, ready to invest in local economies, ready to start small businesses, ready to work on, on the ground level um, on the nutrition issues that are, you know, deeply debilitating to our to our society's future. But we're but we're we're eager to do it, and um, and we're doing it ourselves. So it's not it's not some abstract idea. It's not some um, task that we're giving on to some other people. You know that they that they should do it. You know we are ourselves ready to spend the time outside, uh, carrying around water and schlepping around hose, and sticking um, our fingers and our tractors into the ground to um, make this happen. So that's a pretty compelling kind of a service, and I think that that makes the ask a little bit easier. Is you know, it's, we're not with our hands out. We're with our hands offering um, food. Um, and we just learned today from uh, Secretary Vilsack, 45% of the um, armed services are um, coming from rural areas. So um, the service of the rural to the urban is, is, a, is a big tradition in our country. And, and, and as servers of, of food and as servers of nutrition, um, we really need for our tax dollars to be allocated in such a way that we may continue to serve and that we may sustainably serve um, our nation. With that, I wanted to say thank you for listening. Um, I want to just quickly go over some upcoming events. Do you have any closing statements? Prepare them for a second. Um, Greenhorns is co-hosting an event on the weekend of Vernal Equinox, which is March 20th and 21st, at uh, Kinderhook Farm. That's in Valencia, New York. It's train accessible from uh, Hudson Train Station on Amtrak. It's a two-day educational celebrational event where we will butcher a lamb, tan its hide, dye its fleece, um, feast on its flesh, and then dance the night away courtesy of a band called Red Rooster from Brooklyn. Um, And then on the Sunday, there will be various field trips and and more workshops about how to prepare meat from, from frozen from, to, to, from fresh to frozen, um, visiting a sheep milk cheese uh, farm just up the road, um, and a couple other things. So if you're interested to be a part of the Vernal Equinox Hoggett Cook-Off, um, I would urge you please to visit our blog and follow the directions and read the descriptions that are there um, to get involved. Um, also, next weekend, the 13th 
of March is the Food Farm Film Fest at Williams College. That's a three-day-long celebration of food and film and farms in Williamstown, Massachusetts. I'll be there speaking, as will Aaron Wolf of King Corn. Same, along with many other filmmakers and activists. And it's a wonderful moment when some of the brightest of the liberal arts students um, are tuning into these issues. We really need those bright minds. Um, bright minds from all different parts of this country and all different um, backgrounds, even if they happen to have expressed their love of nature through an environmental science degree. Um, if we can get that love of nature expressed outdoors in the context of food production, so much the merrier. Um, we need them all. So we'll see you, if you can, in Williamstown, Massachusetts, or in Voice of New York. Many other upcoming events, West Virginia, Michigan, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Oregon, California, Montana. Those are all coming up. So please tune in, turn on, and and get involved. Love to collaborate with you in your local area to make venue for the social engagement and interaction um, of the young farmers who uh, feed the place that you love. Is that it? If you're interested to learn more about the National Young Farmer Coalition, please visit our website www.youngfarmers.org. That's all for now. See you next week. Sponsored by Hearst Ranch. This is Severin for the Greenhorns. Have a lovely weekend.